You're listening to the Royal Society of Medicine Digital Health Council podcast, where we explore health tech innovations that are transforming healthcare. With me, your host, Dr. Annabelle Painter. Hello, and welcome back to the RSM Digital Health Section podcast. This episode features a conversation with Sarah Nelson, Programme Director at DigitalHealth.London and focuses on how to pitch health tech products to the NHS. If you're a health tech innovator hoping to break into the NHS, then this episode is for you. Sarah shares pitching tips based on her experience working within a health tech accelerator and as Deputy CNIO at NHSX. Our discussion topics include how to navigate the NHS procurement landscape, identifying budget holders and why the CEO may not be the best person to pitch to, why being too flexible can put buyers off, the power of effective follow-up and the risk of offering free pilots. I hope you find it useful. Hello Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. So to start us off, could you give us a little bit of a background about you? So your current role and what's got you to where you are now? Absolutely. So I'm an NHS nurse and have been for a very long time now, Um, but I'm not actually working in that area at the moment. I'm currently Programme Director at the Health Innovation Network, supporting organisations to bring innovation into the NHS, but also supporting um, companies through things like our Digital Health London Accelerator Programme and our Launchpad and Bootcamp programmes. I came into the NHS at a time before there was technology to the level it is today, where that first computer that came into our office uh, in the coronary care unit was brought in by a drug company. And I know that throughout my career, there have been times when technology, when it's been brought in well, when it's involved staff, has been fantastic. And it's really made changes to both staff and patients' lives. But there's also been times when technology perhaps hasn't helped in some of the things that we're doing. And sometimes things that look great actually are really difficult to bring into the system. So I've had that opportunity to see when it's worked and when it hasn't worked. So I've been able to move my career through Uh, teaching hospital into working in the health innovation network and then had the um, opportunity to work at NHSX or which then moved to NHS England as Deputy Chief Nursing Information Officer for England. Now back working within the health innovation network supporting innovators to bring great products into the NHS. So in this episode, we are going to be tackling the question of how to pitch a health tech product to the NHS. And I really wanted to focus an episode on this topic because it seems to be a common area of confusion and misconception and ultimately a reason why a lot of health tech companies fail within the UK. And whilst there are many solutions out there that have identified a health related need and genuinely solve it well, they don't achieve product market fit because their business model doesn't align with the financial incentives and procurement practices within the NHS. And in an industry where the users, whether patients or healthcare staff are often not the buyers, they aren't the ones making the procurement decision. It's crucial to understand the key factors that are steering the decision making for procuring those products for those who are holding the budget within the NHS. 
to begin, if we can just take a step back and start with the basics, can you help us understand how the NHS goes about buying products? So can you give a little bit of a background to what the procurement landscape looks like in the NHS? Absolutely. I think one of the first major misconceptions that people have is the fact that it is one NHS. It is not one NHS. It is many thousands. I've heard the number 22,000 different organisations, but certainly it's many thousands of organisations that make up the NHS and all are funded slightly differently and all have different methods of payment. So it's a confusing landscape for companies to come into. We need to think about where the incentive lives. We need to think about who the budget holders are. We need to think about, are you going direct to that organisation or are you going to be going through frameworks? A lot of NHS procurement is through frameworks. That's where pre-approved providers can join a framework and there might be a mini competition or there might be the dynamic purchasing system. But there's a, a way that organisations can get to your product. So there are different ways through procurement frameworks or also through direct to the organisation. But what that leads us to is thinking about if I'm not at that stage yet of knowing which framework it needs to go on, because there are multiple frameworks out there and some of them are very individual, then who are you thinking about within the organisation? So that question of who within the organisation, I think, is a really important one. And again, an area where people often make mistakes. So can you go into a bit more detail on that? If you're wanting to pitch your product, who should you be looking to speak to within a given NHS organisation? I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that the chief exec is always going to be the person who's going to procure your particular product. There are multiple people who can say no to a product, but there's actually very few who can say yes to a product. And I think one of the things about the time frame for companies, any time that you have is very, very precious and is it means money to you and your company. And if you're a bootstrap company, you haven't got time to actually be going and spreading wide your, your message. And so being a little bit more specific as to who you'll be looking for. If you're looking at a GP practice, GP practices tend to be um, businesses within their own rights. So you may be looking at GPs or the uh, GP managers. If you're looking at an ICS, you might need to be looking at some of their system leaders, the CIO, you might be looking at the CCIO. If you're looking at a trust, one of the things that I see quite often is people will go direct to the clinical staff. Now, clinical staff and clinical champions are fantastic and they can be your real supporters going forwards and they can really be valuable when you're having conversations with IT or any of the other services. But they're unlikely to be the people who can make the difference happen and the changes happen at that point. Certainly within an, an acute sector where I've spent a lot of my time to me, if you're looking at bringing a product in, you need to be having those conversations with the general manager, the medical director, but also the head of nursing. So you need to be looking at that triumvirate of people. So the head of nursing is going to be looking at the safety and the quality and the impact on the staff that they have. The general manager is going to be looking at the, the operational costs. They'll be probably the one who sorts out the finance. And the medical director will be the one who gives 
sort of yes and no thoughts on whether this product is something that is used in the service. So although you might try and come into a service through one particular area, try and get that group of people together fairly quickly if you feel that this is a pitch to actually take your, the product into the market or into their organisation. Another um, issue that we often get is if you spend a lot of time on one particular clinical champion or person, the chances are in the NHS they'll move on. So if you haven't got other people within that team who are going to be your champions, you lose everything that you've done in that six months previously or that year previously. So I would say be, be aware as to what each of the members of, of staff are there for. And if you've got a clinical champion, get others involved. I think a good way of summarising what you've just said is make sure you find the budget holder and be aware that that might not be the same in different organisations across the NHS and then find your clinical champions and have a diverse group of champions if possible within that organisation. You're absolutely right. The budget holders are the most important people in terms of how far your conversation will go, because if they haven't understood where your product brings benefit, then the chances are they're not going to actually agree to doing the signing at the end of the day. OK, so let's imagine a company's got a meeting scheduled with the right people and they're preparing their pitch. From your experience working within Digital Health London, seeing lots of pitches, some that have gone well, others that have gone badly, can you tell us what are your top tips for pitching? If you don't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit about the reason for pitching first. So it may be that it's your very first contact with those people the chances are they're not going to agree to signing on the dotted line at that point. Your, your initial reason for pitching is to um, make them aware of your product, to make them aware of your USP, and to start to understand some of the dynamics. It's really important to understand the dynamics. The person who is the most important in terms of job title won't necessarily be the one who has the influence. So being really clear as to, okay, well, when I go into this pitch, I need to understand them. I need to understand their priorities. And they need to understand me, the product, the team that we work with. The other reason you might be going in is to you manage to get some of your champions in the environment and you need to influence others. So your pitch might change if you're talking to finance or you're talking to IT and you need to be more technical. So thinking about the reasons for what that pitch is. And, and who you need to be influencing at that time is the first starting point. When it comes to your pitch, I would say, know what you want out of the meeting. Be prepared, be really aware that the NHS staff, they may not be on time. If you're talking especially to clinical staff, they will prioritise their clinical work over you. And please don't take that as an insult. That is nothing more than they're finishing the work that they are doing with the patients. So if we focus in on, on the pitch itself, can you give us some guidance where you feel people have done well or examples where you've seen things go wrong? And how can you guide uh, organisations to make sure they get that pitch right? Where I've seen it done really well, I think, first of all, be aware that the person that you're pitching to 
especially if you're talking about CIO, CCIO, somebody who is in a position of responsibility and likely to be holding the budget, the chances are they've had many pitches before. So they might be sceptical. So it's about how you broach that subject. The, the companies where it's worked really well, I've seen it on a couple of occasions where they haven't gone in all guns blazing saying, we've got this great product that can do anything and will solve anything. They've gone in there and they've listened to the problem that's there at the time. Now, sometimes turning around and saying to an organisation, well, tell me about your problems, isn't the full way to do it, but certainly listening and giving space so that you give enough information during your pitch for conversation and discussion afterwards and discussion about what their problems are. Don't spend three quarters of the time talking about what the problem is for this gynecological condition or this area of mental health, because usually people know what the problem is. They've got a good idea of what the problem is. So give a little bit to the problem, but not a full description. So listening and talking to them and understanding what their issues are is what will help you to be able to work out what part of your product is the most likely to be saleable to that particular organisation. If you go in to an organisation, be it virtually or face-to-face, and you have negativity towards the NHS and how hard it is to get into, towards the particular area that you're working in, I came out of a meeting a while back with a member of NHS staff and what they remembered from the pitch of somebody was that they wanted to give them a hug. It wasn't the fact that they actually wanted to take their product or develop their product or work with them to co-develop. It was they wanted to give them a hug because they realised they were having a hard time. It's really difficult. Being an innovator is extremely hard. I see it so often with our companies. Um, It's not an easy life to choose, even though it can be very rewarding. But use others to have that negative conversation with before you go into meetings with NHS staff. To summarise the points you've said so far, what I'm hearing is, firstly, make sure you found the right person or people to pitch to. Make sure you've thought about the why of that pitch and what you really want to get out of that meeting and what that person is likely to want to get out of that meeting. Don't teach about the problem but ask questions about how the problem affects the people you're pitching to and finally be positive and don't focus on the challenges but on how you might be able to make things better. There's an element of realism and, and there will always be challenges but I think realism with a positive side. Um, use the skills of an innovator. Use the that amazing thought processes, the, the positivity, the believing you can change and do things. Use that to your advantage because actually sometimes it's a real relief to see somebody who has more energy than sometimes NHS staff feel like we have at the time. I'm wondering if you have any examples that come to mind of perhaps slightly unusual or atypical or different approaches that companies have taken that have been successful? I think if you're doing pictures, it's it's important you leave somebody with something that 
reminds them of you and that could be a story if you're doing it face to face and they've seen your product and they've had a play with it then that can be really useful I think if you're doing a pitch where you may be one of 20 people who are doing pitches sort of two minutes one after another and then it's about doing something that's a little bit different if you have a different reason story if you have a different physical product then those are always helpful things to make it different for you but sometimes if you're talking about a piece of software, it's very difficult to do that side of things. Please, please, please don't turn around and say we can do everything because I've heard it so many times. And if you say your product can do everything, I can't then work out what part of my pathway does it fit into? How can we really make that work? So if you don't know whereabouts in their pathway this might fit do a bit of exploring as to what their pathway is you're saying in an effort to be flexible actually you put people off because that it becomes less tangible what the benefit might be and this brings me to another point which is be really overt about what you need in terms of resourcing from that organization if you get to the point of having a conversation about yes, we want to take this on board, yes, we're prepared to go into a contract with you, make sure, first of all, that you get what you need out of that contract. Three pilots, not my favourite thing. And so if you go in there knowing what you need from them, and that might be in terms of uh, data, in terms of your success of your particular product, you also will need to say to them, I'm going to need seven hours of a project manager to be able to embed this. I'm going to need to have two hours of training time per person. If you can be over and upfront about that, then again, staff don't need to think, well, actually, what's it going to take? Have I got enough staff to be able to do this? Can we go into that point about pilots a little bit? Because I know there's <laughs> this quip that goes around that the NHS has got more pilots than British Airways. I wonder if you can tell us a bit more about why you don't like the the free pilot model and what you feel like the right strategy should be for companies to try and find alternative routes to a free pilot. I, this is a very personal opinion here, I do not like free pilots because I feel that there's no ownership. I feel that I have paid for something, then I have to justify to my management what the outcomes were, what the benefits were. I have to justify the time that is spent and I want something to succeed. If it's a free pilot, it's a bonus. It's an extra set of sweets. It's something that's nice to have around, but I don't have that same want for it to succeed and need for it to succeed. And so therefore I've seen many pilots where companies have brought a pilot in have left it with the organisation and have come back three months later or six months later and they go, yeah, thanks, it was nice, but let's let's move on, we haven't got money for it. So therefore, the company goes away with no extra knowledge or skills or information on how to develop a product. They haven't got anything that proves anything other than we've done one pilot. So that importance of you making sure that when you start your pilot or you are in conversations, you've got a real list as to what your key performance indicators are for them going into this environment. And you can make sure that 
even if, think worst case scenario, they get to the end of the three, six months and they're not going to um, uh, commission your product, what are you going to have that still helps you with the next conversation? So please think about that from a from an organizational perspective. It's it feels easy to bring in a free pilot, but actually. If you think that this is good enough to really benefit your staff and your patients, then you want to have a serious upfront conversation about this. I'm not saying all free pilots are, are, are not good because I'm sure that some people have made it work very well, but I certainly don't feel that there's been many that I've seen that have really benefited either the organisation and therefore staff and patients or the um, companies themselves. You may want to go for a lower rate with your um, organisations because they still have to justify what they're using that money for. I guess it comes back to you don't value what you don't pay for, right? I'm wondering if you have any other thoughts about the do's and don'ts of pitching. The very common one that we speak about is not using buzzwords and jargon. Um, I know in the NHS we are probably one of the worst places for using three-letter acronyms and jargon, but it's very common that maybe urology and cardiology will have the same three-letter acronym for two different things. So please don't use three-letter acronyms. The only one you can get away with is NHS. Anything <laughs> else, do not even <laughs> contemplate using. Um, it's really important that you follow up your conversations with the member of staff that you've spoken to because of the fact that they will deprioritize your conversation once they've left that room. So I like one pages, nothing more than that, that just says, thank you, first of all, this is the company and the product. This is the um, evidence that we have um, so far. And if you haven't got full evidence because you are early stage, then feedback Feedback on um, on your product is always is just as important for us to know. Um, a lot of decisions are made about doing business with people who've done business in other parts of the NHS. Think about what is going on in that environment at the moment. We've had a lot of people who are interested in bringing things into London recently, but there are certain hospitals where you've had a big electronic health record brought in. You've had a lot of other system changes that are happening. ICBs, there's been a lot of changes, as we know, with NHS England and ICBs. They haven't necessarily been the best place to have conversations. So is this the right time to be having a conversation with this particular organisation? If they're bringing in an electronic health record, we know it will probably take the whole organisation out for six months to a year before the EHR is brought in. And it will probably take another year or so afterwards. So think carefully about those relationships. By all means, keep in contact by keeping people warm but don't keep nagging them. Step back. You can then be concentrating on getting those hot leads in areas where they might be able to do something rather than where they're not ready yet. To finish off, I'm wondering if you might be able to signpost people towards useful resources or organisations where innovators can get more guidance and tips when it comes to pitching to the NHS. 
Absolutely. I would say that the Health Innovation Networks, I'll start with those. There are 15 of them across the country. So in your area, there will be a Health Innovation Network. All are slightly different. Ours does have a digital slant. Some of the others do as well in different areas. But we do all work together. So you can get an innovation clinic meeting with a member of staff um, in any of those uh, areas. And that will be the opportunity to understand what's going on in that area. But also by filling out the, um, the form that you have to fill out, it means that you go on a database of all the academic health science networks. So we can look at that list and work as honest brokers to the NHS. You've also got big networks now of chief nursing information officers, chief clinical information officers, um, AHPs. There's a lot of clinical leadership happening now, and some of them are very open on social media and very happy to understand what's happening in these environments. Conferences is another environment. You have to be really targeted as to who you're going to find. But there will be people within those environments who you're able to have a conversation with that might just lead somewhere. We, we certainly within London, we run networking sessions for our companies with ICSs. And there are sometimes environments where you can go along to meet ICSs or staff from other areas within the NHS. So I would say keep an eye on any of the websites of places like digitalhealth.london or environments like that to see where those opportunities arise. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's been amazing to hear all of your hints and tips and I'm sure our listeners will find them helpful. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much, Annabelle.